This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio with guest host Jane Brown. Who is the best candidate to succeed Andrew Scheer as leader of the Federal Conservative Party? You've already started calling. Thank you. I will get to you in a couple of minutes here. 416-360-0740. Toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Especially if you're a conservative voter, who would you most like to see go up against Prime Minister Justin Trudeau in the next election? And given that it's a minority liberal government, that next election could happen at any given time, although likely not before members of the Conservative Party choose their next leader here in Toronto on June 27th. Conservative strategist Jason Leader is on the line with us to discuss. Jason, always nice to talk to you. Hey, thanks for having me. appreciate it. What do you make of the latest Leger poll, which reveals that a third of decided Conservative voters don't know who they would choose to head their party? Not surprising to me, you know. I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I've, as you know, I've been involved in conservative politics for a long time, and I don't know who yet I'm going to choose. You know, it's. Uh, I actually want to watch a little bit of the race. I find they're they're pretty edifying. You know, you watch it and you see how people perform and handle the pressure. And the tough days are the ones you got to watch, right? You got to watch how people handle the adversity because it's not always going to be as fun as, as it is on day one. So I'm not surprised to be honest. And I think you've got a bunch of people who are big names in political circles, but relatively unknown out there amongst the Canadian general public. So, you know, you get, these people are going to have to crank up the name recognition. That's one of the things that a leadership race does. And we will, we will talk about that. Uh, interestingly, the two leading candidates that came out of the Leger poll are former Prime Minister Stephen Harper and former interim Conservative leader Ron Ambrose. <clears throat> yeah, two things there. I think one... Harper's obviously really still uh, popular with the party, and uh, he's actually, it's funny, he's now that, you know, the further you get from politicians like Mr. Mulroney, Mr. Kretschem, Mr. Harper, you know, their last years, everyone's sort of tired of them. But, uh, you know, you look back on it, you know, a little bit more fondly. And certainly within the party, Harper's a, a, a strong figure and, and beloved. Uh, Rana, I think if she steps into this race, and I think there's a chance she will, she's going to be the odds-on favorite or certainly one of the one of the people who, you know, you're best well-known. I think a lot of people in the party are looking for possibly some female leadership to change the channel a bit and change the 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 the, the uh, brand of the party a little bit. So, I think Rana is going to be a great candidate if she uh, if she indeed runs, but it wasn't surprising to see those two names. Do you think she is intrigued by the idea of coming back after being out of the fold for a couple of years? Yeah, I think it's funny. Politicians, you know, uh, it doesn't matter what the stripe is. They're all intrigued by uh, power and uh, and access to it and, uh, you know, and leadership, right? So here's the thing about this particular leadership race is um, the last time you didn't, ex- you didn't attract the A talent because people thought that probably Trudeau had a decade worth of uh, wins in him before anybody was going to be able to touch him. And so this time it looks like, you know, you got 18 to 24 to 36 months of being the opposition leader. And then you got a, you got a chance at being prime minister. 
And it's probably, that's it. You know, you're probably not stick, sticking around another time. It's sort of one and done. So it's not this like 10 year, uh, you know, odyssey through church basements of being the opposition leader uh, before you get a real chance at being the PM. So I think that's what's attracting people like Rana and, and, and some of the A-team here. There are two declared candidates, Pierre Poliev and Aaron O'Toole. They are officially in the race to succeed Andrew Scheer. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts about both of them? They've, they, smart, smart things for both of them. Uh, number one, um, they both have a bit of a head start. Number one, Aaron, because he ran last time and ran a respectable third place, a very respectable third place, and he's going to be able to build on that a little bit. Number two, um, Mr. Poliev is just a really hard worker. And the other thing about Mr. Poliev is if you look at his positioning, he's positioning himself, I would say, a little bit right, or he's positioned a little right of many of the candidates there. Uh, pretty moderate uh, generally, uh, you know, in, in our party, but I would say right of, of some of the candidates that are whose names are being bandied about. So there's a lot of people in our party who are interested in that kind of a candidate. So Mr. Poliev is going to be the surprise for a lot of outsiders. They're not going to have heard his name before, and he's going to do very, very well in this campaign. I've predicted sort of a strong second place or possibly uh, possibly shocking people with a win. And I think Mr. O'Toole, you know, he's he's... One of the things, these two guys got started in December when other people were just sort of considering it, and that's a big advantage because, you know, in a six-month campaign, if you waste 20% of it, uh, you know, you've lost the time, right? Almost every time this conversation comes up, uh, and there have been a lot of dinner uh, time conversations over the last couple of weeks with Christmas and New Year's and family gatherings and so on, everybody always asks, what about Peter McKay? Yeah, Yeah. he's always always in the mix, isn't he? Yes. I, I, I've got a feeling. I'm not sure that Peter's going to run. Uh, I'm not, I'm not sure that he's going to run. I think, uh, he got out there pretty far during the, during the campaign. I, I, I like Peter. I think his bilingualism is good. I think his reputation is, 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 is reasonably strong out there. And I think he, he looks like a leader, um, to people. I'm just not sure he's going to run. So I think he'd be a welcome addition to the race. It's nice to have, like I said, you know, five, six, seven really credible candidates out there. And, he, and, he, and there's the, the old PC part of this party, you know, Mr. Charest and Mr. Uh, Mr. Uh, and Mr. McKay will, will certainly get a lot of support there. But I'm just not sure he's going to run. So Cons- we'll see. Conservative strategist Jason Leader on the line here with me. I'm Jane for Libby. She's off this week. And you're listening to Zoomer Radio's Fight Back. Uh, you mentioned about Peter McKay and his impressive bilingualism. There, There's some thought out there that his French isn't good enough to become prime minister. Well, I mean, uh, you know, the truth is uh, Harper's French wasn't that great when he became prime minister either. And, uh, you know, it's got to be good enough to get through a leadership race. you got a couple of years to uh, brush it up in Ottawa, probably before uh, before an election campaign. There's a number of, you know, I, I think this one is, listen, you've got to be able to go to Quebec and credibly say, I'm learning, I'm working on it. Um, Peter speaks passable French. It's not fantastic. But, you know, even I, it's funny, you know, even Mr. Trudeau, who grew up in, in Montreal, when you sit and watch debates with real Quebecers, they sort of sneer at his French. But, listen, you do your best. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, uh, Number one, every national leader is going to have to speak French and have to speak it passably. I don't think Mr. Shears was good, quite good enough in the last campaign to get him through those Quebec debates. Somebody's going to have to really work on that, and that's for a lot of the candidates here. Right. Well, and explain that for us. Which of the candidates would be, would speak well with Quebecers versus others? I'm thinking Pierre Poliev, obviously, is bilingual. Yeah. Aaron O'Toole. Yeah. Aaron O'Toole. I'm thinking pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty I think Rana's got some work to do on her, on her, on her French for sure. Poliev is Poliev is perfectly bilingual. Yes. Um, and and obviously Charest is you know the the gold standard mm-hmm. in terms of in terms of this kind of stuff. 
Um, like I said, Rana would have some work to do. McKay would have some work to do. O'Toole, I think we, we would want to improve his, uh, his his as well. And some of the other candidates, I haven't really I haven't really watched them uh, that closely. And the question about is your French good enough, and what does Quebec think of you? By the way, they're they're tied together, but they're not necessarily always the same thing. Um, you know, because <clears throat> sometimes Quebecers will rally around. They generally rally around the home team. People ask me about Mr. Charest on this, right? And Mr. Charest, you know, won three elections and lost one, I think, in 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 his in his in his in his, in his, in his, his premier. And even in the last one, he lost. He won fifty provincial seats, I think fifty-one or something like that, which is probably about thirty federal seats. Like, Conservative Party winning thirty federal seats is is a complete game changer in terms of the electoral math. So Quebec's a big part of this, and the and the Liberals are counting on it. So okay, we got to try and do better there. I want to put this out to you, the Zoomer Radio listener, and I'm going to the phone. So if you've been hanging on, just give me another minute here. You've heard Jason Leader's comments about the various potential candidates. We have two in the running so far declared: Pierre Poliev and Aaron O'Toole. Who is appealing to you if you are a decided or a routine conservative voter? Who of these candidates? Candidates is appealing to you, and why? And why? And and how do you think they're going to beat Prime Minister Justin Trudeau in the next election? Four one six three six zero zero seven forty toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. Let's go to to uh, Lorraine and Peterborough. Go ahead, Lorraine. Uh, good afternoon. Um, when it comes to a candidate. It needs to be someone who can identify with Canadian voters, and Canadian voters can identify with that person. It needs to be someone who can put forth policies that can be met and the promise kept. For example, we need a national senior strategy. We're going to have a lot of seniors by the year 2035, and they tend to be the largest chunk of voters. And I don't see anything on the horizon in any of the parties in going in this direction. We also have the uh, national pharmacare issue. We have Medicare, but we don't have the pharmacare to, to do it. So we need a leader who can push forward policies that will resonate with Canadians. And until the Conservatives can do that, they're going to have some stiff opposition from the other parties. Lorraine, well said. Thank you for calling in. Thank you. And Jason, uh, on Lorraine's comments there, in this Leger poll that we were talking about, 82% of Conservative supporters want to focus on maintaining a balanced budget, priority number one. 63% want the number of immigrants to Canada decrease, priority number two. Nothing there about a senior strategy or pharmacare. Yeah, I mean, it uh, depends what slice you're looking for of uh, of the electorate. And, you know, our our our... our when we win elections, we do very well among seniors. We win the battle amongst uh, sort of middle-aged people like families, you know, moms and dads who have small kids. And we generally lose elections amongst amongst younger people. Most people are pretty idealistic and, and very progressive when they're when they're very young. So um, she's right about uh, conservatives needing to target the senior seniors vote because when we do well there and when we do well at the upper end at 45 to 55 um we do very 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 well um some of the issues though that uh, one of the things that i I think i would say about the the poll no issues are really top of mind right immigration certainly is out there as as an as an issue but no issues are top of mind the last election wasn't fought on any issues it was fought mostly on leadership and personality and that goes for most elections to be honest so um you've got to really be really sort of smart about how you target the issue set and balanced budget is something that's to conservatives, but 
the truth is, you know, Trump's running a huge deficit. Trudeau's running a huge deficit and doesn't seem to be hurting him that much politically. So it's a tough one. 416-360-0740. Toll free 1-866-744-740. Let's go to Bert in Kitchener. What are your thoughts on the next conservative leader? Um, I just want to put a plug in for uh, Peter McKay. Okay. Uh, a few years ago, I had an opportunity to uh, uh, critique his presentation in Woodstock to a conservative base. And uh, he didn't know that I was critiquing him. It was uh, done uh, sort of under the covers. I did a professional critique, and um, and afterwards I approached him and asked him if he would like to have one, and he right away said yes. You know, he, he invited the criticism. Mm-hmm. And I thought that is uh, a desirable trait in a leader. So uh, I would go ahead and vote for in a leadership race. Well, yeah. He ran once before, if you recall. Oh, absolutely, uh, yes. And yeah. I mean, he was, there was, take us back a little bit, Jason Leader, and thanks, Bert, for calling in yeah. to uh, when there was a progressive conservative party and Peter McKay was the leader. Yeah. So McKay, the, the reason why I have a bit of a soft spot for McKay is uh, despite what a lot in his <laughs> excuse me <clears throat> in his former party <clears throat> were counseling him, um, he chose to sort of put away the guns, sit down with Stephen Harper, and say we're going to merge these two parties. And if we wouldn't have merged those parties, if Mr. McKay and Mr. Harper wouldn't have actually taken a risk and and run in an election, they had to rerun for their leadership, and McKay ended up losing to Harper. Um, you know, you would have you, you would have had essentially liberals running uh, Canada for the last, you know, a couple of decades uh, after, after Mr. Crutchin and Mr. Martin. And so, and so I, I really do, I really have a soft spot for Mr. McKay because he really did put the party first, and I would say the country first, frankly, in terms of giving people an option. Because with two conservative parties, it just it just wasn't going to happen. So, um, <clears throat> Mr. Mr. McKay, though, there's there's still some 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 feelings back going back that far. Like the parties merged back in 2003 before the 2004 campaign. You know, you're back 15 years, but there's still a lot of people that remember how that all shook down. Uh-huh. There's some ill will against Mr. McKay. Some people didn't want that merger, and then there's a bunch of fans that McKay had uh, coming out of that. Uh, who yeah, think, I seem know, to. Did I, the right thing. Do you remember? Was it David Orchard? David Orchard. David correct. Orchard, and on the back of a napkin, I think Peter McKay had promised that he wouldn't give in to the Reform Party and correct. form. A, yes, right. Correct. Yeah. No. He, he McKay Orchard made uh, <clears throat> made McKay promise. Promise that for his support in the progressive conservative leadership that he wouldn't uh, that he wouldn't merge the parties with the uh, alliance at that point I guess it was called and yeah he uh, McKay you know I I don't know I don't know exactly what was said between the two men I can't say he lied or did or mm-hmm. whatever what Orchard thinks he did for sure but the truth is I think McKay did the right thing but uh, like I said no that's that's between those two guys. And that brings up an interesting point. Who do you think, Jason Leader, conservative strategist Jason Leader here with us on Zoomer Radio, who, which of the two former parties does the current conservative party most resemble, the Reform Party or the Progressive Conservative Party? There's the, 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 the membership um, is, is more of the old, um, it's more Western-based just because there's more members and the Westerners have a real, have a real um, attachment to the party and to party politics. A lot of Ontarians don't belong to political parties anymore, but Westerners do. So the membership certainly is over, overly skewed to the, uh, to the West. I would say the parties, like communications, discipline, communications, just there, they're just general brand 
is is really is a, a new a new thing. I don't think it's either like mm. either of the the other two parties. The old Progressive Conservative Party it's got a it's got a sort of a red Tory you know almost liberal kind of hue to it is the way people have saw it back at the time. The conserv the Reform Party was certainly further right wing than uh, than the, the the new Conservative Party. So I'd say it's somewhere in the middle of those two things. But the membership definitely skews towards the reform the old Reform Party. Interesting. Let's go to Stan in Brantford, Ontario. Stan, go yeah. ahead. Yes, um, I think there's uh, there's some great candidates. This is only my opinion, but from what what, what I've read, we've got to have a candidate that wins nine oh five. Uh, I know the Liberals were very strong in that area. We're going to be uh, Conservatives will be strong out west. There'll be a dogfight in Quebec. But whatever leader we have, 905 is very critical. Now I know your your guest said members uh, would favor this. I look at the people that are voting, and I'm a senior. I'm not a racist because my ki- my parents were immigrants. I think uh, you're right. Immigration will be an area in which we want people to come into our country that can benefit our country and that they can have good lives. But I don't know who's going to win 905. Um, I don't think, I don't think, only my opinion, I'm not racist, I don't think we want two candidates from Quebec writing, uh, fighting to be prime minister. I think we need somebody in the middle, because the West is ours, we need somebody that can bring Quebec under the banner of the Conservatives, but 905 has always been critical to elect a prime minister. All right. Thank you, Stan. Yes, Jason, that is a good point. I think we only have the, the deputy leader now, right, is is the only conservative in the 905. The, yeah. The deputy yeah they, 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 those comments are bang on and they're crystallizing what most people, uh, people like me, have been saying for quite some time and, and people in our party have sort of looked. So, you know, Doug Ford won 80 seats in the 905, or in in, in, in Ontario, sorry, and won most of the 905. Um, Justin Trudeau won 80 seats in Ontario, won most of the 905. You know who else did that? You know, uh, Jean Chrétien, Stephen Harper, uh, Dalton McGuinty, Kathleen Wynne. When you win 80 seats in Ontario, you win both the province and you win the country. And my view, my own view, was that uh, was that Mr. Shear wasn't selling very well in the 905, and uh, for a lot of different reasons. <clears throat> and I've sort of my view and the prism that I'm going to be looking at this with is, if you know, if a soccer mom in the 905 is prob- is unlikely to vote for you, sort of that's where I sort of get off the bus as well. So that's right. what you got to prove to me, and that's what you got to prove to uh, to most of our party because most of our party is tired of losing to Mr. Trudeau. And want somebody that can beat him. Uh, and, and the soccer mom in the 905, you bring up a good point, um, is probably didn't like the fact that Andrew Shear was a social conservative and personally was against values that we hold dear as Canadians. Yeah, I think I think the um, the, the the issue, and I've, I've I've spoken out on this a number of times. I think the issue on, on uh, the issue on gay rights, Mister Mister Shear was was very uncomfortable. Um, you know, you don't have to you don't have to. You know, I think Mr. Trudeau, you know, he's the first Canadian prime minister to ever march in a pride parade. Um, you know, Mr. Obama was against gay marriage up until a couple of years ago, but the world has shifted so quickly. And, you know, I've, I've, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I've been proud to be part of, you know, pushing that forward at times here in Canada. I think that we needed to, we needed to get past this stuff. I am not willing to vote for a leader. And I think a lot of people in our party um, are, are of the same mind who looks uncomfortable on gay rights because the truth is it's it's what a lot of those soccer moms look and say it's not it's not what you think of the issue it's 
is he a nice guy or not? Or is she a nice guy or not? Does she, is she modern? Is he modern? Mm -hmm. Does he, does he share my views and my values? That's the question, right? Right. Thanks so much for your time, Jason. Great talk. And I'm sure we will chat about this many times uh, leading up to June 27th. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.